This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Ah, you guys doing good? Come on, you excited to be in the house of God? You ready for the word tonight? Come on, give someone a high five around you. Say, you're ready? <laughs> it is so good to be here uh, back at Celebration Church. I think it's been a couple of years since I was here, uh, but it's so good to be back. So good to see all of you. Uh, so good to be in this hustling, bustling metropolis of Fresno. Wow. I'm just from a small country town called Los Angeles, uh, but... You know, to be here, in all honesty, it is such a blessing. I, I, um, I need you to help me tonight, all right? I'm going to bring the word of God. I believe that we've got faith. I believe that God is here and that he's going to do his thing. Uh, but I need your help tonight as well. I got some, I guess, some very heartbreaking, devastating news 10 minutes before I walked into this service. And I was uh, talking to my wife and talking to my family and, and that back in Los Angeles. And, uh, and, uh, I was looking down at my phone, and then I drove, and, and we turned the corner, and I just saw the signs for the church. I saw so many. I saw the parking lot filled. I saw so many people, children, so many of you walking in through the parking lot, coming into church, and just something about this gathering gave me faith and blessed me. And so once again, I want to thank you for that. Uh, I, I believe that God is good. I believe that God is with us, and I believe that he has something in store for us. And... and uh, I want to preach. If you go to the Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 5. Come on, you love the Word of God? Just a little bit? Come on, you love the Word of God? Oh, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. I love the Bible. I love the Word of God. I love reading stories about Jesus. I love the entirety of the Word of God. And I just believe that there is so much hope and so much power, so much wisdom within the Word of God. And I want to read this story in Luke chapter 5. Those of you that have Bibles, uh, thanks for bringing your Bible. Um, uh, those of you that didn't, so good, so good. I think we're going to put the scriptures on the screen for you. But I want to read this story of Jesus um, engaging with uh, a group of men that end up becoming his disciples. I really believe that God has a word for us. Come on, you expecting for something tonight? Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. I'm going to read right through to verse 11. It says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, <laughs> come on, don't you love the confidence of Jesus? Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. I want you to look at verse 5. Those of you that have got your Bibles, you can underline this verse. It says, Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. I'm going to continue to reading and just, I just want to read this verse again. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. 
Verse 6 continues, it says, And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boot, boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Come on, can we put our hands together for the Word of God? I love this response of Simon Peter in verse 5. As Jesus asks something of him, as Jesus instructs him into something, his response is to look at his situation, to look at his knowledge, to, to look at everything that he can muster within himself, but to respond with the kind of response that says, if you say so, I will let down my nets again. I want to break this story down for a little bit. Is this all right? Jesus is just at the beginning of his ministry. Just before this, Simon has kind of got to know who Jesus was because he'd come into Simon's house, healed Simon's mother. Amongst other things, he'd cast out some demons and healed some other people. But this is the first encounter that Simon's had. He's kind of seen this guy and he's thinking, all right, there's something special about this man. I'm sure that there is a sense of gratitude toward the fact that he had healed his mom. But here they are doing what they do. I mean, these men were fishermen. Their fathers would have been fishermen before them. The people around them would have been fishermen. It's safe to say that they would have understood and known fishing, right? And on this occasion, sadly, they've spent the entire night out doing what they do. They know where to go. They know the times to go. They know what they're doing. But sadly, unfortunately, on this occasion, there were no fish to be caught. Can you imagine early the next morning as the sun's just beginning to rise, as they're bringing their boats in, thinking we've got nothing to take home today, thinking they've worked hard, they're tired, they're hungry, they're frustrated, but unfortunately they've got nothing to show for their hard work. Come on, anyone know that feeling? Come on, real talk right now. Anyone know that feeling? You know that feeling like when you're really striving, when you're really working hard, when you're really pushing in for something, but it almost feels like you have nothing to show for it. Simon finds himself in this position. He's been working hard all night. Sadly, they haven't got anything. I can imagine as they're pulling their boats up and as they're sitting there trying to wash their nets, thinking he just wants to get home, have some food, maybe sleep it off so that he can get out the next night and try again. But all of a sudden, he sees this man, Jesus, again. This guy that he knew a little bit of. He'd seen him heal his mother. He'd seen him do some miracles. He probably was aware that he was a carpenter, but outside of that, probably didn't know too much about who Jesus was. But all of these crowds, all of these people are gathering around Jesus. I can still imagine Simon Peter as he's washing his nets, trying to look and figure out what's going on and washing the nets, just wanting to get home to eat. Come on, how good is food? Just wanting to sleep. Come on, how good is sleep? But here's Jesus. And as the crowds begin to grow, as more and more people gather, Jesus realizes that he's going to have more impact speaking to this crowd if he could get out onto the water. So Jesus confidently steps into this boat and asks Simon, hey, could you help me? Do you think we could push out? 
You ever been in a situation like that where the last thing you want to do is, is do what, what someone's asking you? I can imagine Simon in this point, like, are you kidding me right now? Push your own boat out. <laughs> Jesus asks a question of him and his response is obedience. He probably shrugs off the tiredness, shrugs off the hunger, shrugs it all off and goes down and pushes out this boat with Jesus in it. I can imagine as Simon is sitting in that boat, right? And here's Jesus talking on and on and on, babbling away. I can imagine Simon Simon drifting off. When's this guy going to stop talking? Any of you like that right now? (laughs) After all of this goes on for a certain amount of time, Jesus gets to the point where he finishes speaking. This carpenter. This teacher, this man that he doesn't really know that much about, he finally gets to the point where he finishes talking, and now he commands something of Simon. He says, all right, and now let's push out a little bit deeper. Let's let these nets down, and let's catch some fish. I could imagine Simon in this moment going, are you kidding me right now? I mean, I know fishing. I understand fishing. I know that this is not the right time. I know that this is not necessarily the right place. For your knowledge, Sir Carpenter, we've been working hard all night. But if you say so, but if you say so, I'll let down my nets again. I want to speak a message tonight. And if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes, the title of this message is, But If you say so. But if you say so, I want to share a message tonight that hopefully encourages us to understand that our God is King of Kings, that he is Lord of Lords, that he is faithful, that he is sovereign, that he knows what he is doing. And I pray that we would be the kind of people that even when we don't feel like it, even when we feel like we know better, even when we feel like we're not up to the task, our response is to trust in who God is, trust in his word, trust in his guidance, trust that he is leading us. And we would have the kind of response that says, if you say so, Lord. I want to admit something right now, and it's hard for me to do this because as a man, we are proud and we are stubborn. Can any women say amen? Uh, I want to admit something right now. Uh, We are not that good at doing stuff. Uh, I, I... I have this impossibility in my life and it revolves around basically, it revolves, sorry, not evolves. Uh, it, it revolves around the fact that I, I can never find anything that I am looking for. Does, does anyone know what I'm talking about? I think it's just part of being male. We have this inability to find what we are looking for. There are times when I am searching for something, I feel like I know where it should be and it is not there, it doesn't matter how many times I look, doesn't matter how many times I go back, I cannot find what I am looking for. One of the greatest impossibilities to any dad is the simple task of trying to clothe your children. I have four children. We have a lot of children's clothes. Yet when my wife asks me to dress the kids, I can never find anything that fits any of my children. It's impossible. And so, so often I am searching for something or looking for something. I am ripping my face off trying to figure out where it has gone. I am adamant and certain that it doesn't exist. Until I ask my wife. Hey, baby. 
you know that thing, you know, I like ask where it is and she'll tell me exactly. She'll be like second drawer right in the middle. I'm like, no, I looked there 16 times. It, it's not there. Uh, she's like, have a look again. <laughs> I mean, is there anything more frustrating than this? Babe, trust me. I've looked like 17 times. It's not that Ben, it's there. Have a look. I, I'm like, it, it is not there. But if you say so, <laughs> I don't know how she does it, but every single time my wife tells me where to look, doesn't matter how many times I've looked, doesn't matter how many times I've searched, doesn't matter how adamant I am, that thing is not where she says. The moment she says it, it magically appears where she says. If you say so, Lucille. I want to speak this message. I want to speak about this. You know, the truth is in our country, In our everyday lives, I feel like things are escalated right now. I feel like I cannot turn on the news at all without seeing some sort of devastation, some sort of tragedy, some sort of heartbreak. As a pastor of a church, uh, my phone does not stop ringing and texting with people who are going through certain situations. And sometimes even myself as leader, I'm sitting there going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to, how to, how to lead through this situation. Yet I choose to believe and trust in the fact that my God is still good, that my God is still faithful, that we can place our trust in him. We can place our hope in him. And I want to speak about this thought because I know that many of us here, whether we've come to church for years, whether this is our very first time, I believe many of us find ourselves in this place where we feel like we know the better. We feel like our education, our opinion, maybe our experience or our expertise, it tells us a certain thing. Yet I pray that we would be the kind of people that when God speaks to us, when God asks something of us, when God leads us, guides us, directs us, we wouldn't be the kind of people that come up with all of these excuses or try to say why it will not work. If God is in this, I pray that we would respond with obedience, that we would have the kind of attitude that says, but if you say so. Come on, if you're going to praise God, really praise God in this place. Come on. But if you say so, believe many of us, we work hard at things. Many of us, we're striving, we're pushing, and sometimes we don't have all the answers. But again, I say, I believe that God is good and that he is faithful and that he is with us. And even when it feels like all hope is lost, we place our hope in him. We trust in him. I want to speak to this whole concept And I want to ask you four questions tonight. Four questions. I encourage you to write these down or take this in in whatever way that you can. But the first question, come on, write it down. Number one, how do you respond? How do you respond? When God asks something of you, when God speaks to you, how is it that you respond? I understand that we are in a church tonight. I understand that many of you are part of this church. And, and as, as being a part of a church, I understand that we could look to our pastors. We could look to our leaders for guidance and direction. Sometimes when we want to hear the word of God or, or we, need, we need the word of God, so often we come to a church or a setting like this. But I want to remind every single one of us tonight that we serve a personal God, that you don't need to walk into this building to encounter the things of God. God, that he is with you, that he is for you, that he is speaking to you personally. 
God is mindful of you. Read Psalm 139. Understand for just a second the way God thinks about you, the plans that he has for you, the desires, the longing that he has for you personally. I want to speak to this tonight. How do you respond? When God asks things of you, how do you respond? If we refer back to this story, Luke chapter 5 and verse 3, so stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. There's a question. If we go to the next verse, Luke 5 and verse 4, it says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Verse 3, we see a question. Verse 4, we see a command. Come on, you with me? Verse 3, we see a question. Verse 4, we see a command. In both of these situations, there is a focus or an emphasis on Simon Peter on how he is going to respond. In both of these situations, I love the fact that we see Simon responding in obedience. He responds in obedience. This story, the more that you look into it, the more that you understand it, you realize the fact that Simon probably didn't want to do these things, right? Come on, you still with me tonight? He probably didn't necessarily want to do all of these things, yet his response was obedience. I want to speak to you because I believe that God is present in your life. I believe that he is aware of you. I believe that he is speaking to you. I believe that he is leading you and guiding you and directing you. Yet how do we respond? You know, sometimes we don't recognize the voice of God. Sometimes we don't recognize. You read the story in 1 Samuel 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1 to 11. This is the story of Samuel when he's just a boy. Let me read 1 Samuel 3 verse 1 to 11. It says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. And one night, Eli, Eli who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. And suddenly, the Lord called out to Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, but what is it? He got up and he ran to Eli. <laughs> you hear that? That the Lord called him. Yes, he replies, but he runs to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. And so he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and he went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord. And so the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and he went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And look at the beginning of verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel. I look at this story because the truth is it's a story of many of us. 
It's a story of a young Samuel who doesn't yet know how to recognize the voice of God. And so even though God is speaking, even though the Lord is speaking to him, he doesn't attribute it to the Lord. He goes running to Eli. Thank God that in this story that Eli is there to help lead him and help him understand and recognize the voice of God. Come on, I believe that I flew here tonight to remind some of you that God is speaking, that God is talking to you, that God is mindful of you. Come on, but maybe we don't know, we don't yet recognize the voice of God. Maybe we do recognize the voice of God at times, but maybe we run the other way. I read the story of Jonah chapter one. I don't know what you're like when you read this story, but I feel like Jonah's crazy in this story. It says in Jonah one and verse one to three, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Verse three, look at it. But Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and he went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. I I don't know. When I read this story, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Come on. The Lord is speaking to Jonah. He's like, yeah, no. Running the other way. I feel like he's crazy. Well, why would he do that? (laughs) Yet I can't tell you how many times I'm guilty of the same thing. I can't tell you how many times I feel the Holy Spirit stir something in me. Maybe I feel the Holy Spirit instructing me, go tell that person how much I love them. Go, go share your faith with that person. I'm sitting, nah, God, that, nah, nah, I can't do that. Come on, am I any different than Jonah in this story? Come on, how many times is it that God is stirring things in us? How many times is God asking us to take steps of faith into the unknown? How many times is God stirring things that we don't know how to respond? Maybe some of us haven't yet recognized the voice of God. And I want to tell you tonight that God is mindful of you, that he's speaking to you. Maybe many of us have got too good, just too good at ignoring the voice of God and and what he's asking of us. But I pray that we would have the kind of attitude that when God asks something of us, we listen and we respond in obedience. Come on, it's not always about whether we feel like it. It's not about always whether the moment is right. If God is in this, then I pray that we would act in response Act and respond in obedience. Can you say amen? Amen. It's not a question of God's ability or his willingness. It's a question of your obedience. Number one, how do you respond? Number two, come on, write it down. Are you living according to God's timing or your own? Are you living according to God's timing or your own? Are you operating by God's clock or your own clock? In Luke chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, When he, Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. It says that when Jesus was done, right? When Jesus was ready. Now that he's finished, he's saying, Now let's push out. Once again, remember the fact that Jesus is just a carpenter. Come on, in the the field that you are an expert in, the field that you are aware of, If someone comes in and tries to tell you how to do your job when you know that person has no knowledge of it, like how do we respond in that situation? I can imagine in this moment, Simon thinking, are you kidding me right now? It's the middle of the day. We worked at the perfect time last night. We worked in the perfect place. There was no fish to catch. Master, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. 
But if you say so, I will let down my nets again. Come on, if you say so, I will let down my nets again. Are we operating according to God's timing or our own timing? Are we relying on our own understanding or choosing to trust by faith in what God directs and leads and guides us into? You know, when it comes to my wife and I, we are the exact polar opposites in terms of our attitude about what is on time. If I had to be somewhere at 6 p.m., to me that means sometime between 6.30 to 7 o'clock-ish. If we need to be somewhere at 6 p.m. to Lucille, that means we need to be there at 4 p.m. Slight exaggerations, but not too far off the truth. We, 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 we just are at different opposing things. And then the, the result of that, and I know some married couples can attest to this, the result of that is this complete frustration. I sit there and I'm like, come on, relax. She's like, we got to go, we got to go. Relax. It's just this frustration right in the middle of all of it. Come on, sometimes when God asks things of us, sometimes when God is leading us into things and it's not according to our plan, our result is to begin to get frustrated at God. We start to think, God, where are you in this? Come on, when we feel like we've been on our knees praying and we're not seeing the, the breakthrough, we're not seeing the victory, we begin to get frustrated, we begin to get impatient with God. But I'm here to tell some of you tonight, we don't trust in our own understanding. We choose to trust in God. We choose to trust that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Proverbs 3 and verse 5 to 6. Come on, you're receiving this tonight? Proverbs 3 and verse 5 to 6. It tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You know, this is one of those scriptures I, I learned as a young kid, right? Sunday school, I learned this so young. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I, I love it, right? It's another thing to walk this out. There are things that I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it in my logic. But I don't choose to trust in my logic or my understanding. I choose to trust in the things of God. Come on, can we talk about healing for a second? It makes no sense to me that a doctor could diagnose something. That all of the symptoms could be evident. And, and by us just looking at this and believing that if we stretch out our hand and, and pray to God that all of a sudden that thing could be, it makes no sense in my logic. But I don't want to lean on my own understanding. I want to trust the word of God that says by his stripes we are healed. When we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Salvation doesn't make sense to me. The fact that we've all sinned, we've all messed up, every one of us, we've all fallen short. But we don't uh, deserve it. Yet his word tells us that if we simply believe in him, believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, simply confess with our mouth that he is Lord of our lives, that all of that sin, all of that could be washed away in a moment, in an instant. In my logic, that doesn't make sense. In my understanding, that doesn't make sense. But I don't want to lean on my own understanding. By faith, I trust in the fact that we serve a God who is Savior. A God who has set us free. A God who washes our past away. Who gives us eternal life. Come on, these things don't make sense in my logic. But I choose not to trust in my logic. 
I don't want to trust in my experience. I want to trust in the things of God. And when it comes to timing, I want to encourage some of you right now. You will be at peace a lot more if you choose to not get frustrated about things not happening according to your timing, but choosing to trust in God. Trust that he will come through at just the right time. Come on, let's really give some God some praise. Galatians 6 and verse 9 says, let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. At just the right time. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Number one, how do you respond personally? Number two, are you living according to your timing or God's timing? Number three, are you making enough room? Are you making enough room? Come on, are we preparing to receive all that God truly has for us? As we follow this story in Luke chapter 5, it says in verse 5, Master Simon replied, We worked hard all last night. We didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I will let down the nets again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Come on, I want you to put yourself and see this for a second. Remember, these guys have worked hard all night. Remember that they're there washing their nets. They're just hungry, tired, wanting to sleep it off and hopefully come back this next night. Simon chooses to not trust in his own understanding, to not trust in his own expertise, but have the kind of attitude that says, if you say so. He pushes out in this boat. He decides to let down his nets. And the response of that is not only that his own nets are full, not only that his own, that his own boat is full, but he's yelling out to his buddies yelling out to his boys hey come on they fill both boats to the point of sinking now now i i I know that there were two boats that were filled in this story but when i think about my god when i look at other stories i i could almost guarantee that if they had three boats come on they probably would have filled three boats If they had four boats, they probably would have filled four boats. If they had five boats, it's about how much they prepared for what God was going to do. Remember, it's not according to their own strength. It's not according to what they could accomplish themselves. It was the fact that they choose to live in obedience and trust in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. They trusted in God. They prepared room and God met them there. I want to encourage some of you tonight. Come on, we've been going through life and we sit there and and we're not creating enough space and room for what God truly wants to do. What does God truly want to do? What does God want to do in your life? What does God want to do in your situation? Are we creating enough room? I grew up in Australia, in case you don't know why I sound funny. I grew up in Australia. I grew up surfing. And yes, we have sharks. And they're scary. And people say, why do you surf when there's sharks? I don't have a good answer. But I grew up surfing, and I remember this one time, we're up the coast, uh, you know, in a couple of uh, towns up, and probably two hours north of where I live, this uh, small beach town, and 
I had some friends that lived there and we were just young teenagers at the time and he lived close enough to the beach where we'd get on our, our bikes and we would carry our surfboards and we, we'd put our wetsuits on and, and we'd ride to the beach and we'd surf for a couple of hours and whatever else. And I've never seen anything like this in my life. But as we rode up to the beach on this one particular day, all we've got is our bikes, our wetsuits and our surfboards. There were these enormous black fish covering the sand. I mean, covering the sand. I have no idea what happened. I have no idea where they came from. All I knew was as a young teenage expert, (laughs) we know everything when we're teenagers. All I knew was that there are people who fish for a living. And all of a sudden, here's all these fish. I felt like I had won the lottery. <laughs> I began to say to our, my, my boys, I'm, I'm like, what is this? I, I don't know, but we've got to make the most of this. We, we were thinking, we've got to get these home. We're going to sell these. We're going to eat for the next three years. I, I, this is amazing. I remember as we started grabbing this fish, we're looking around. We didn't have anything to carry. We didn't have a bag. We didn't have a car. We, didn't have, we just had our wetsuits. So we started grabbing these fish and pushing them down into our Now, wetsuits, putting them right down. Wetsuits are really stretchy, and so it's awesome. You could fit a lot of fish in there. And we shoved all these fish in our wetsuits, and we're so happy. We're like, this is awesome, you know? Remember, we rode our bikes back home. My friend's mom is like, what are you doing? By the time we got there, she smelt us coming long before she saw us coming. By the way, that night we tried to cook these. We don't know what we're doing. We tried to cook these fish. They tasted disgusting. We ended up throwing them all in the neighbor's bin. (laughs) Trash can, right? See, Australian, I called it a bin. I remember in this moment, though, thinking, man, like, what have we got? We need to carry all the... There was so many fish on the beach. I remember thinking, if we had a bag, we would fill our bag. If we had a wheelbarrow, we would fill our wheelbarrow. Come on, if we had our mum's car, we would fill our mum's car. I was just feeling like there was so much there. It was just dependent on how much room we had. Come on, when it comes to the blessing of God, when it comes to the anointing of God, when it comes to what he wants to do in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your business, in your dreams, are we creating enough room for what God wants to do? We serve a God of abundance. We serve a God of overflow. We serve a God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask, hope for, imagine, dream. That's what Ephesians 3 verse 20 tells us. In the message, it says, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Proverbs 3 and verse 9 speaks about us honoring God with everything we own. Give him the first and the best, then your barns will burst, your wine vats will brim over. Malachi 3.10 talks to us about bringing our tithe to the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Try it. Try it. Put me to the test, it says. Come on, that's the God that we serve. How are we making enough room? I know that I don't always get this right. I know that I serve a good God. I know that he is with me. I know that he is for me. 
But sometimes I try to limit God into what I can accomplish. I try to limit God into what I can do in my own strength. And I want us to be a people. Come on, every single one of us. I want us to be a people who understand the overflow of the God that we serve. That we create enough room and space for God to do what only God can do. The last question that I want to ask and the team can come back up is what will you do in return? What will you do in return? Luke chapter 5 and verse 8 to 11. It says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened. I mean, can you imagine this moment as tired, as frustrated as he was? As much as he maybe didn't want to listen to Jesus, but he chooses to push the boat out. He chooses to let the nets down. I, rem- I can imagine the adrenaline, the excitement as their nets begin to tear because of this incredible blessing. And it says here that when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. And he said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. I think sometimes some of us have that mentality. Sometimes when we see the goodness of God, maybe when we experience something in him, we just feel like we're not worthy. We feel like we're not good enough. We're like, leave me, Lord. But look at Jesus' response. It says that he fell to his name. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Verse 9, he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and, John, James and John, were also amazed. But Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. You know, if you track the story of Simon after this, many of you know the story of Peter. You know that this is the one that Jesus said to him, this is Peter, on this rock, like Nick said earlier, on this rock I will build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Understand that what we do here in Fresno in 2017 is a direct response of what Simon Peter started all those years ago. Understand something right now, church. I understand something. Simon's response when he saw the goodness of God. When he saw this, what Jesus had done, his response was say, leave me, Lord. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. He wanted to run the other way, but Jesus's response was to draw him in. He said, follow me. Simon's response was to commit and consecrate everything to following Jesus. His first desire was to get away from Jesus. When he saw everything and he heard the infight of Jesus, He left everything to follow Jesus. Simon went from being a small-time fisher in a small town on the sea of the shore of Galilee. Shore of the Sea of Galilee. Is that right? We have this beautiful moment. The music's playing. I messed my words up, and now you're all too nice to point it out. But he went from that, and became the Simon Peter that started the church. He didn't always get it right. Friend, there are many times in this story where Peter messed things up. Jesus was always mindful of him. He accomplished something so incredible, so magnificent, so amazing that he could, never could have got there in his own strength. I, I want to encourage some of you because I, I believe some of us have experienced things of God. I, I know I, when I think about the simple thing of salvation, <laughs> I I don't deserve it, but God saved me. But when I think about things that I've prayed for and I've believed for and seen God come through and I'm sitting there going, man, I don't deserve this. 
But what am I going to do in response? I want to be the kind of person who always chooses to be obedient to God. I want to live with the kind of response that would consecrate and commit everything to the things of God. I pray that we would be a church that do that. I pray that you would be a person who does that. That our response to God would be to 100% commit ourselves to Him. To follow Him with everything that we've got. The problem is... Problem is, we live in a world and a society that is so selfish. And every single one of us are guilty of it. (laughs) Myself included. (laughs) I don't say that to make you feel bad. I want to encourage you. Luke 9 and verse 23. Scripture says, he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? I want us to be a people. I want to be a person myself, a husband, a dad. I want to be a leader who knows what it is to turn from my selfish ways, pick up my cross and follow Jesus with everything I've got. What does our world need right now? What does our world need? Come on, you're watching the same news I'm watching. You're hearing the same tragedies that I'm hearing. Many of you are experiencing things that I can't explain. I'm sorry, but... In the midst of all of that, what is our world? Our world needs us to be the church right now. To turn from our selfish ways and choose to follow God. That we would be the hands and feet of Jesus. That we would be a voice of encouragement. That when God asks us to go somewhere, when God speaks to us, when He leads us, our response, whether we're tired or not, whether we feel like it or not, is to have the kind of attitude that says, If you say so, Lord, I will let down my neck again. I will go where you want me to go. I will say what you want me to say. I will do what you want me to do, Lord. If we know what it is to turn from our selfish ways, respond in obedience, I believe that we, the church, can be the answer to what so much of America is looking for right now. So much of the division, so much of the hatred, so much of the confusion could be straightened out we just decided to turn from our own selfish ways. I have the kind of attitude that says, if you say so, if you say so, come on, if you love Jesus, if you receive the word of God, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to put your hands together. I want you to give him a long praise. Come on, a loud praise. Can we praise him? Can we praise him? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, don't stop. He is worthy of our praise. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that we would do what you want us to do, Lord. God, I pray for those of us here, Lord, and we haven't been listening, God. We've been running the other direction when you ask something of us. Lord, I pray that you would make us aware of our ways. God, I pray that you would help us to know what these next steps look like. I pray that you would give us strength. Father, it is such an honor and a privilege to know you, Lord. 
be in salvation, God, to be a part of the church. God, I pray that we would understand that we're not just saved, Lord. We have been saved and called. Lord, that you have a mission for us. God, I thank you that this church is shaking up Fresno. I thank you that this church is shaking up California, Lord. I believe that it can shake up this nation, God. Father, I pray that we'll be the church that you are calling us to be, that we would all take personal responsibility for it. Father, I thank you that revival isn't some distant dream that we just one day hope for. Lord, we believe that revival is here, that you are alive, that your kingdom is advancing. God, we want to play our part in this. We want to play our part in this. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, one more thing I want to do, and we're going to worship straight after this, but I want to give every single person in here the opportunity right now to know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. I wholeheartedly believe that He is the answer. I believe that He is the salvation that we are all searching and longing for. By the grace of God, many of us here tonight, we've made a decision to follow Jesus. We've experienced this grace, this freedom, and we're so excited about it. But I know that in a crowd like this, there are many. And if you're honest with yourself, you don't know Jesus in this way. And the best thing that you can do tonight is walk out these doors knowing that you're right with Him. Friend, we can't accomplish this in our own strength. There's nothing but the scandalous grace of Jesus Christ. You know, salvation is the greatest miracle of all. Can anyone say amen? It's the greatest miracle of all. I mean, I've seen God do miracles. I've prayed for things and seen God come through. It doesn't make sense to me. It's amazing. But still, hands down, the greatest miracle of all is salvation. The fact that despite our sin and mistakes and everything that we've messed up, by us simply believing in Him, confessing in our mouth that He is Lord, that we can know salvation. It means forgiveness for our past, a brand new start today, a hope for our future, an eternity secure in Him. All we need to do is choose it tonight. I would love if we could bow our heads, close our eyes, no one looking around. I ask you to do that to remove distraction. Don't worry about anyone else. Be honest with yourself right now. Do you know Jesus in this way? If not, I would love the great honor and privilege to say a prayer with you. God loves you so much. And that's not just a cliche thing that a pastor says. God loves you. He sees you. He's got a plan for you. Friend, come to him tonight. What I want to do is say a prayer with people. And so I know who I'm praying for. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, everyone in this place that wants to say yes to Jesus. When I get to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand nice and high. I want to pray for you right where you stand. Don't miss this moment. Don't put it off for another day. Today is the day of salvation. On the count of three, if you want to join me in this prayer, lift your hand nice and high. You ready? One, two, three. Come on, lift it up. So many of you. Wow, praise God. So many of you. So many of you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, I just want to make sure that I've seen you. Hold it up nice and high. Amen. Listen, you can put your hands down. Church, can we all put our hands together? Can we rejoice and celebrate with every one of these people? Come on. Praise God. Praise God. Listen, I, uh, I, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And, and then maybe Nick's going to come up and explain a little bit more after this. But I want to lead you in a prayer. Every one of you that raised your hand, this is the best decision that you could ever make. I believe that we are a church family here. I'm going to say this prayer. Our whole church family, all of us together, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. It's a simple prayer, but a powerful prayer. But every single one of you that raised your hand, I'm going to really ask that you pray this from the bottom of your heart. So all together, you ready? Come on, you ready? 
All together, say, Jesus, thank you for everything you've done for me. And right now, I make the choice to give my life to you. I'm sorry for my mistakes. I ask for your forgiveness for a new start today. Be the Lord of my life and help me live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.